Hello, my fellow humans. Welcome back to the trans agenda. This is a topic I hinted at doing in the first episode. It's an interesting one, and it's pretty large in terms of trans discourse. Because it's such a meaty subject, I decided to make it into a series. First series in the podcast history. Take notes. (laughs) I will never be able to represent 100% of trans perspectives on this issue, so I decided in the next two episodes... I'll be doing interviews with different members of the community on topics they relate to and know more about than I do. This new series is talking about the effects of transmedicalism on trans femme people versus trans mask people versus non-binary people, and also talks about specific perpetuators and who's who's to talk about. I'm going to focus on how trans masculine people are affected by transmedicalism in this episode, and I'll make second one, as well as a th- at some point, on trans femme people and then non-binary people's experiences. Mentions of transphobia, misogyny, and other sensitive topics throughout this episode and this series altogether. I'm also going to be talking about Calvin Guerra drama, as well as RGR and her actions surrounding him. I'm not going to get into Calvin's actions in depth. Cops Hate Mo did an amazing series about it, as did Brennan Beckwith both of which I will link in the description of this episode. If you're all good with that, let's get right into it. First things first, let me lay out some definitions. Because this episode is focused on transmasculine people, I'll define that first. A transmasculine person, or transmask person, is someone who was assigned female at birth but identifies with masculinity and masculine gender identities. Now the biggest definition for this series is transmedicalism, which I will define in all episodes. Definitions vary from person to person, but generally it's accepted to mean a person who believes there's an inherent medical reason or goal of being trans, whether that's dysphoria, gendered brains, or euphoria is up to the person you ask. Now that you're all up to speed on definitions, let's actually get right into it. So the first thing that we have to address is the treatment of transmasculine people. An important variable in all of this to understand is how misogyny affects how we're treated. Society views openly transmask people as women, despite passing or any of it. Because of this, we see transmask people are infantilized and victimized. We see that through misogyny, women are treated this way too in society, as if they're incapable of taking care of themselves and governing themselves. Transmedicalism and anti-SJW content related to it are used to cope with infantilization and victimization because it's a way of saying, no, this is who I am logically, I'm not confused, and these are the people you're actually talking about, not me. It's a way to deflect the narratives pushed onto all transmasculine people onto a small minority. This is why transmasculine people are more heavily attached to this idea. It seems like it would be helping the community to get those narratives off of transmasculine people's backs. But in reality, it's just a division in the community instead of actually facing those narratives head on. Being logically justified should stop people from treating us like women sucked into the transgender craze who are just confused and hormonal, but us deflecting these narratives onto femme transmask people and AFAB non-binary people doesn't do that. 
Despite what people might say, the rest of the cis world sees us all as equally confused and hormonal. If we all were put in detransing camps, we would be standing right next to each other. Being the good and logical trans doesn't actually attack the real issues that we face, but its mask is certainly very convincing. Now I'm going to get into the reason why transmedicalism has been so heavily pushed onto transmasculine folks. Like I've said in the past, the internet from 2012 to 2018 promoted transmedicalist ideology as the one and only perspective of trans people. Many trans femme and trans mask creators held transmedicalist ideas and spread them, but this episode is focused on trans mask side of things. One of the biggest spokespeople for transmedicalism in the transmasculine community was the infamous Calvin Guerra. This man was the biggest trans mask YouTuber who talked about trans topics in this time period. Using his platform, he spread this ideology to thousands, if not millions of people. And like I said already, transmedicalism is especially attractive to transmasculine folks. So you know that all these people, who were mostly children, would stick with this narrative for years. Calvin is notorious for his treatment of who he deems are trans trenders and for his series on them. These videos justified and encouraged harassment for people like those in his videos, as well as those who were directly targeted. His videos taught the community two things. Transmedicalism is the common sense way of attacking anti-trans rhetoric, and that people that disagree with it or seem to go against its principles deserve to be made fun of and harassed. These two things he taught the community continue to rip it apart and more personally rip people apart from the inside. The whole community is in pain because of his cancer of an ideology, and that's why RGR's recent stream, as well as her whole reaction to Calvin, is so very bad. So in her recent stream, RGR reacted to Cops Hate Mo's latest video talking about Calvin's rhetoric and actions. In it, she largely tries to disprove Mo's arguments and flat out lies half the time. She tries to downplay Mo's arguments and misconstrues Mo's intentions with the video. She insists that she understands how much harm Calvin has caused to the trans mask community, but she clearly doesn't. This is about his rhetoric causing trauma for an entire generation of trans mask people, not just about the trauma he caused to people who were directly harassed by him on camera. She clearly just sees this as internet drama where Calvin's victims are plaintiffs, as Brendan Beckwith put it. She sees this as drama where both sides are equal, when in reality, Calvin deserves no sympathy, especially after his actions since being called out, even after RGR insists he's changed. Riley tries to give both stories equal merit in that stream, when in reality, it's an abuser situation. In an abuser situation, you don't trust the abuser side of the story over the victims. And that's what RGR did. Now, I'm not going to get into the stupidity of her comments specifically, because there are too many. And goddammit, Malcolm did a great stream on Twitch, going through it frame by frame, essentially. He hasn't covered the whole video yet, but he does enough for you to get the picture. I'll link his Twitch in the description, as well as his YouTube. As sort of a concluding point, People who didn't experience the trauma do not have the right to be spokespeople when talking about the trauma, 
at the end of the day, it doesn't even matter if she represented us well, because we should be representing ourselves. We have things to say. Victims have things to say. The best thing she could have done is said that she disagreed with Calvin's actions and will be trying to help him change, do that privately as to not give him a platform, and to promote the victim's voices. If she wants an ask, that's all. Trans femme people are needed in the conversations around transmedicalism, but not as spokespeople about creators that didn't target them specifically. We don't get near enough trans femme people in conversations about transmedicalism. And that's why I'm doing the second episode, where I'll interview trans femme people on their experiences. The only reason I say Riley has no place in this specific discourse is because it's about Calvin, not general transmedicalism. And on that note, now that I've covered RGR, I want to talk a bit about my personal experiences with transmedicalism as a trans mass person who is the trans non-binary umbrella. I came across Calvin and transmedicalism when I was about 12. At this time, I didn't know I was trans. I was researching to learn more because quite a few of my friends were trans at the time. Eventually, I realized I was trans and adopted this ideology right out of the gate. At this time, I identified as agender non-binary, but still supported Calvin and his rhetoric, as well as bashed my fellow non-binary pals, because despite him saying stupid shit about people like me, I still felt the security of the ideology he pushed. I was still attached, despite the fact that he directly attacked people like me. At one point, I dated a wonderful gender-fluid person while identifying with Calvin's rhetoric. I was an asshole who didn't support them like I should have. I used strictly they-them pronouns for them and insisted they were either a gender like me or just a girl. This is something I hated that I did for a long time, and since realizing it, I've apologized and continue to work on myself. This person did not deserve to be treated that way, period, no matter if I was young or not. And quite frankly, I also didn't deserve to be pushed into that way of thinking and into that level of self-hatred. They were a victim as much, if not more, than I was the victim, despite them not watching or even knowing of Calvin. By talking about this, I'm trying to illustrate how large it gets in the trans community. I'm trying to illustrate that Calvin has impacted people that we can't even account for at this point. This is why it's a bigger deal than just Calvin's documented victims. There are thousands, if not millions, of victims here. Now, Calvin did not invent transmedicalism, but he was the biggest face of it in transmask spaces. Sure, he's not legally responsible, like him and Riley love to point out, but in the minds of those he hurt and indoctrinated into this ideology, he is 100% responsible and doesn't deserve a platform right now given his actions. He obviously can change, and I hope that he does, but now, because his actions still don't align with his supposed new ideas, he isn't changing like he needs to. He is not holding himself accountable the way that is necessary in order for him to come back into our spaces. I'm going to leave this episode here. This is a really interesting conversation that trans femmes, trans masks, and non-binary people need to have, because as connected as we are, we are different and are treated and affected differently. 
please DM me with your thoughts and feelings about this, because I'd love to hear it. If any of you trans femmes listening want to put your two cents in an interview, please DM me. I would love to put you in one of these episodes. Same goes for anyone who identifies as non-binary. Also, please watch the videos linked in the description. They are amazing and really illustrate what I'm building these ideas off of. Keep fighting, because this one's going to be a long one. All the love, you amazing people. Peace. my fellow humans did you like this podcast hit that follow button wherever you're listening and check out my instagram in the description i don't know when the second section of this series is going to come out let alone the third i'm thinking i'll do one about trans perspectives next and closing one about non-binary people i won't put any of them out until it's all done well and i have all the perspectives in there that i can possibly find because I want it to be comprehensive and well put together. Now, with all that said, keep fighting, you beautiful people. All the love. Peace. <laughs>